Blog Talk Radio. Turnbuckle Turmoil fans, welcome to the show on another Sunday afternoon. Sign Guy with you as usual. Our co-host QT Vokes is taking a bit of time away from the show starting today. He will be back at some point, hopefully in the very near future. But while he is away, I want to welcome the new co-host to Turnbuckle Turmoil, filling in for QT in his absence. The coach with the most coming at us from coast to coast. He doesn't mean to brag, but he's got a boast. It's warm in here, and he's a boot to roast. So raise a toast with the coach with the most. Coach Mike Jones, thanks for being on today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor to work with you guys and uh, be on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And a real quick reminder, today is the day in Trenton, Michigan, that IBW is holding their Madman Pondo appreciation show so if you are near Trenton, Michigan I believe the doors have already opened so rush over there give some appreciation to Madman Pondo he definitely deserves it for all he's given us but right now our guest has joined us I've been looking forward to this for a very 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 long time we had to wait for him to turn 18 he finally got there referee J.B. Stewart welcome to Turnbuckle Turmoil Hello, thank you guys for having me. It's great to be here. Nice. Well, since it is your first time with us, I'll start you out with the traditional first-timer question. I'm very well aware of the journey you had, but for the listeners, could you tell us what led to you getting into this business of pro wrestling? Uh, what led to me into the business of pro wrestling? That would be my father, uh, professional wrestler and promoter, uh, Damian Cole. Uh, watching him as a kid really inspired me, and ever since I was about six years old, I wanted to do this. And over the past three years or so, I've finally been able to break into the business as a referee. Uh, in addition to wrestling and promoting, your father also is a noted trainer in Indiana, and he, of course, has a training school attached to his promotion, New Era Wrestling, which is where you primarily have trained. What has it been like as the son of a promoter, the son of a wrestler, going into training at your father's training school? Do you think that there's a bigger pressure for someone like yourself that is training with their father's school or do you think it's easier in some ways or do you think maybe there's pluses and minuses all together in it um uh, overall i think it's probably a little bit harder because now you have to as the you know the son of the teacher so more or less i have to now prove that i'm not getting off easy I have to work twice as hard to prove that I'm really trying to do this, that I'm really trying to, you know, advance, and I'm not trying to take the easy way out. So, in a sense, it is a lot harder because, again, I have to prove everybody that I'm 
I'm trying to do this and I'm not trying to, you know, take shortcuts. I know your dad well enough to know that he's probably three times harder on you than he would be somebody else just because he wants you to earn it. No question in my mind that's the case. And like you said, you started refereeing and you have gotten more and more and more work over the last three years because you have become very good at what you are doing. When you set out to referee, was that something you initially had thought of going into training or did you see in-ring wrestling as where you would start? Um Refereeing was not something I really planned on, but like I, there was something in the back of my head that said that I might have to do it occasionally. But I went to the academy one day, and um, Hillbilly Jed was there, and he had informed me that one of our referees for New Era had to cancel, and he told me I had two months to get ready to ref. And with me now knowing what I was doing, I decided why not make the most of it and slowly started taking bookings as a ref because why not? I got to get my name in the door somehow. That's true. And from my experiences, if Mr. Billy Jed tells you to do something, you do it. Exactly. Uh, One of the things that I always try to tell young referees and young wrestlers for that matter, is the referee is the first line of defense for the match. If there's an injury in the match, the referee is the one that's supposed to get everybody safely out of there as much as possible to where the wrestler can get the help that they need. Uh, It's part of the job that a lot of the fans watching don't, really think about or notice, but it's in the forefront of the minds of the people in the ring. At this point in time, have you had many instances where you had to take control due to an injury and make sure that you kept everybody safe? Um, an instance happened back in July at New Era. There was a six-man tag match, um, and one of the wrestlers um, has a pinched nerve in their shoulder, and it acted up, and he couldn't feel his body from, like, the shoulders down. So on the fly, I had to communicate with everyone involved and make sure that uh, he got to the back and was taken care of and made sure that everything else in that match went off without a hitch. I have been in that situation where things go numb from a stinger, and that is definitely not something you want to have happen in the middle of a match. Now, you've been around wrestling for your entire life, obviously, with your dad being a pro wrestler. I'm sure you've seen a lot of injuries take place, and especially when you're much younger, I'm sure a lot of them seemed worse than they really were just because of age and so forth. It seems scarier. From everything you've seen, what would you say are some of the scarier injuries that you've had to witness, be it as a fan or through training or working in the ring? 
Um, I feel like the very obvious answer is HPW seeing Mr. Stein guy himself get chucked out of the ring by three firefighters unsafely and put a dent in the concrete floor. Ten-year-old me thought you were dead. So well, I'd have to, to say that is a lot easily of people did, but I was a, I was more or less okay. I'm sorry I scared you. Oh, you're good. This wrestling shit happens. Oh, sorry if I can't. It did. Does the board never did recover? By the way, that dent's still there. That dead. Whew. Al. You've come into an era in pro wrestling where social media has already existed for quite a while and a lot of promotion of wrestling has taken place on social media. Uh, Promoters and the performers use Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok to promote the shows they have coming, to promote themselves individually to promote their companies Uh, you've come into it where it was already established that this was sort of the new way to promote in a lot of instances being someone that is relatively new in the actual business of it and looking around at the landscape of things do you think a lot of the promoters and a lot of the wrestlers are best utilizing social media, or do you think it's something that a lot of promoters and wrestlers still aren't totally grasping to best utilize it? Um, it's very hit or miss. There are some promoters who, who see social media as a key asset, and they, they push social media heavily, and it really shows with like their ticket sales or like their views online or stuff like that. And then there are some promoters who are stuck in the got to flyer the towns, which while flyering the towns does definitely help, they're now not putting as much effort into their social media game. And unfortunately, we live in the day and age where if your social media game isn't top tier, you're not going to get the same results that you're looking for. Now, as someone that is second generation, uh, your dad came into the business when you still had to fire the town and use newspaper ads and radio ads. Uh, He got into the social media part of it a few years into the career. But a lot of the promoters that came in at the same time as your dad were earlier, do you see a lot of those promoters – still sort of resisting using social media as a key tool, or do you see it as they just haven't really learned enough about social media to accurately use it? Um, luckily with my my dad, uh, he still does do the flyering in the towns, obviously, but he is very much accepted social media. So I'm ho- So from what I've seen, a bunch of promoters from his day and even before is either they will – spite the bullet and learn how to do social media or they'll get one of their friends or one of their, you know, people within the company to figure out how to use social media to their advantage. 
So I'm I'm glad to be seeing that promoters from that day and age are are finally grasping how important social media can be professional wrestling. Absolutely. Now you have been to several companies at this point. Uh, you're getting more and more bookings as you keep uh, growing in the business and doing well. I'm sure there's that one match that you've had that stands out as your particular favorite match that you have done so far. What would you say at this point in time you would consider to be your favorite match? Okay, uh, favorite match for um, sentimental reasons would be from New Era Wrestling, September of this year, uh, Braden Lee versus uh, Damian Cole, mostly one, because it's my dad, and two, the, the story they told of teacher versus student is something you don't see too, too often on independent wrestling. So to see that and to see how well they were able to execute it and to have a really good match along with that, it, it just was a personal favorite from my, for mine from the get-go. I can definitely see that being a favorite for those reasons. They're both very, very good performers on top of all that you said. Now, being that you have been traveling quite a bit in the state of Indiana where wrestling has been very, very hot over the last few years, especially since uh, they were holding shows through the pandemic when a lot of places were closed down, so a lot of fans would travel to Indiana for shows, what would you say has been the biggest crowd so far that you've had? Um, biggest crowd I've worked in front of actually was not even in Indiana. Uh, if we're talking Indiana, it would definitely have to be uh, an emerged pro wrestling crowd. They get about, uh, at their peak, they were getting about 400 people. Now they're, they're slowly building back up to that. But my biggest crowd was for Midget Wrestling Warriors in Ohio, and I performed in 3,200 people. And during that walk to the ring, it just took me by surprise because I had worked with uh, Samson and the Midgets before it, and it didn't draw super well. So to go out there and see 3,200 people stare at me just took me took me out of everything for a minute. I can definitely see that. That's a Phenomenal crowd. I don't care what level of wrestling you're at. It's a good crowd. Now, there also in wrestling has been a history of shows that seem to go on forever and ever. Uh, You have shows that might go five or six hours in total length because they're taping a month of television. Uh, We've seen shows that will book 30 or 40 wrestlers and it takes four or five hours to hold all the matches. Some promotions on occasion will do 24 hours of wrestling as sort of a benefit show gimmick to draw the fans into it. But at this point in time, what would be the longest show that you've had? Longest show that I've been a part of Honestly, I might have to say this past Saturday, yesterday, uh, Wrestling Theology Fellowship uh, in Carmel, Indiana, 
Uh, the show started right about 4.15-ish, and throughout the whole show, there, we kept running into technical difficulties with the microphones. Um, people weren't really sticking to times, so the show just kept going and going. Luckily, it was still only about mm, three and a half, four hours long, but uh, fortunately, I've never had to deal with an excruciating long show, but that that might be the longest show I've had to endure. Not completely terrible, but I'm sure three and a half hours was a little bit jarring when you're used to around two hours. Yeah, especially since uh, they were trying to start the show at four to be done by seven because they wanted to do a viewing party for uh, the AEW pay-per-view. And, again, with people not sticking to their times and the technical difficulties, they have to start a little later than they planned. I can definitely see all that. I have experienced all that before. Well, we have a game on this show we like to play. We call it Word Association, where I will throw out the names of some people that I am pretty sure you have come across in your career in the first word or two that comes to your mind is the answer. Are you prepared for a round of word association? You know, yeah, let, let's do a round of word association. All right. First name, Brett Havoc. Late. Late arrival. Donnie Idol. Laid back as all could be. Billy Starks. Unlimited potential. Drew Skills. Never sick to times. Charlie Cool. Vastly improved. Hillbilly Jed. Boss Man. Dolly St. Clair. Youngest grandma in the business. Zane Paisley. The best ring announcer in Indiana. Aaron Anarchy. um, Also vastly improved. Apollo Star. Super laid back and just wants to improve the business. Referee Toby Lee. Brain full of knowledge and just wants to help younger refs. The last name, Anthony Lee. Um, I haven't dealt with Anthony too much, so... Stiff-ass lariat. That sounds about right. Okay. One of the things in pro wrestling that has been around since pro wrestling started that seems to be dying off is the use of the carny language. Uh, Years and years ago, people would always use Carney to speak to each other whenever there were people from outside of the business around that could hear 
what the conversation was. In the last probably 20 years, it's getting more and more scarce. Is Carney something that you have ever tried to learn, or have you ever encountered someone trying to communicate in Carney to you? Carney has never been something that I've really looked into. Like I, I definitely respect people who, who still try to use it. I've never come across someone who's used it. I've never tried to speak it. But it'll definitely be a weird experience when I talk to someone and they do try to use it. But no, I myself have never ran into someone yet who's tried to keep that in their vocabulary. I listened to his art wizard, Kizobi Lizig, Kizan Spizig, Kizarni. Those were definitely words. Yep, yep. Eventually, I hope you understand what that was, but we'll visit that at a different time to see if you picked it up. But at this point in time, our brand-new co-host, Coach Mike Jones, is with us, and I know Coach has some questions for you, so I'm going to pass things over to him for a bit. All right. Hey, JB. Hey, JB. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's nice to have a somebody who's second generation from, from Indiana who is a they really love wrestling over there, and uh, thanks for coming on. Dude, it is an honor to be here. Glad to be included. Yeah, I know firsthand from being over there at uh, Heroes and Legends. I uh, got to go over there a couple times, and one time I was able to go there with Sign Guy, and it was nice to have someone who's from the area to be with. Have you ever got to work with Jason Maples or at Heroes and Legends? I have not been able to work with Jason Maples or Heroes and Legends yet. It is definitely something I would not be opposed to doing in the future. It just happens to be that our paths have not crossed yet. Okay. And then uh, I've been watching some of your matches. Uh, You're looking really impressive in there. And uh, I noticed you're bigger than most of the wrestlers, it seems like. Um, So, of course, you don't take any crap. And... um, so, um, have you wrestled any matches or um, been a wrestler at all? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, however, I am expected to have my debut uh, in a little, it's just going to be a super small little bit in December of this year. But after that, uh, that's kind of up in the air when I will start wrestling. But up until now, no, I have not had an official match yet. Okay. A lot of times what I've seen is... Uh, Referees get put in battle royals, so those are pretty brutal matches. And then I've seen uh, one of your matches that was a brutal match, the one with uh, Chuckles the Clown King, and that was a pretty brutal match. And then even the announcer said that he doesn't think that he would want to get in the ring with with Chuckles. And at first, it it seemed like he was intimidated. I mean... When you're working with Chuckles, you you don't know what you're going to get. He he tells you what to expect in the back. You go out there, and it is a completely different ball game because once he enters, well, goes through that curve. Josh is gone. It is just Chuckles, and quite frankly, that's that's kind of fun and terrifying to work with. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised how brutal it was, and then it was nice at the end though. You came came through and. You wasn't scared anymore, and you you uh, 
you wasn't taking his crap by the end of it, so that was nice. Yeah, I could I could only deal with so much of his clown antics. <laughs> exactly. And then, um, so what was like um, one of your most memorable matches besides the midget show? And then your and um, of course your dad. Um, one of the most memorable shows already, like it's super fresh in the brain, so of course it's gonna be memorable, but one that I don't think I'll ever forget is this past Friday, uh Hyper Championship Wrestling had their first show in Terre Haute and everything from top to bottom was amazing. The the promoters and everyone involved was super kind and courteous. The card was stacked. Every match was great. Everyone was having a good time. They almost had a sold-out crowd. It was just fantastic, and I had one of the most fun times refing in a long time working that show. Nice. It sounds great when everything works out right like that. It's, like, priceless. And then uh, what about uh, who's, like, your most hated wrestler to ref? Um wrestlers I don't like refing for. Um, now, of course, I love and respect every person I've ever stepped in the ring with. I'm not saying this out of hate. I'm saying this out of it's kind of annoying. Uh, Brett Havoc and Drew Skills. Okay. Brett, Havoc, Brett um, will not tell you what he's doing. He just goes, and you better hope that you can keep up. And I'm not as quick as he is. And I cannot keep up. And Drew Skills, uh, that uh, that stems from we worked a show. It was a private church event, and like we had to go like specific times. Like Kurt to Kurt, you had to go five to seven minutes. By the time Drew got to the ring, we we're already at five minutes. Oh yeah, yeah, so and then he very irritated. Yeah, and he's no small guy. He's like a monster out there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. And then um, um, what about um, one of the toughest opponents you've seen wrestle? Justin Kyle. Justin has intensity like no other, and quite frankly, it terrifies me because um, also this past Friday at uh, HCW, I ended up on the receiving end of a little spear of his, and I never want to do that again. That hurt. He was a very scary man. And you live to tell. Somehow. (laughs) All right. Okay, well, I think that's about all I got right this minute. Uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on you out there, and uh, we'll see if we can get word over to Jason Maples for you. I'd love to see you out there at Heroes and Legends, because I'm sure me and Simon would love to come back there, too. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Well, J.B. Stewart, New Era at this point in time has been around since, I believe, like, oh, four-ish, somewhere in there. Do you think at this point in time, New Era has already gone through a few eras because it seems like even though they are new era wrestling they've seen multiple eras come and go throughout the wrestling industry would you agree with that 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, New Era has definitely gone through at least a couple of eras that I can recall. Absolutely. You were just stop and think of all the promotions you've not only worked for, but just have come across or have noticed. What would you say is the most ironic name for a wrestling promotion? Ironic name for a wrestling promotion. I feel like I'd have to give it to Wrestling Theology Fellowship because, again, they are a super PG company, and they run in churches, and their initials are WTF. I picked up on that as well, yeah. And we had that promoter of WTF, Rich Abbott, on this program just a few weeks ago, and he said, on occasion, wrestlers tend to forget where they are, and they will go past the boundaries of what a PG church show should be, be it swearing or uh, using objects or getting blood, things of that nature. When you're on a show like, what WTF tries to be and somebody whether it be completely unintentionally or because they're just trying to push the limits and they go past what that PG boundary should be what's your usual reaction to that? Um, Okay so at WTF it's happened a couple of times one time I wasn't involved I was just in the crowd and it was the one time they booked uh, my dad and Little A as the 8-Bit Punks. My dad had hit his comeback in mid-comeback. Without even thinking, he flipped his opponent off. And I immediately yelled that we're at a church. And, well, my dad hasn't been booked since. But what has happened the most is uh, wrestler Austin Mannix. Love working with Mannix. But every show, he will say about two to three swear words during his entrance or, like, right before the bell rings. And each time, like, I get shocked and, like, I go to him and I'm like, hey, remember, we're in a church. And, like, the greatest one is, like, if he says damn, he'll say, it's in the Bible, it's okay. (laughs) Well, there you go. He's got it figured out, I guess. Obviously, you're still very young in your career, and you just turned 18, so uh, you're able to expand a little bit more now. But you have not traveled to most of the country. You've hit like Indiana and Ohio and that general region. But looking at the current landscape of independent wrestling, is there any specific area in the country that you would most like to go to to apply your trade? Um, I definitely want to go to Kentucky once, just, you know, because that's a classic place for wrestling. Uh, Tennessee, also just a classic place for wrestling. Would love to be down there. Um, It's already looking like sometime in 2022 I'll be in Alabama, which will just be nice to just cross off a checklist. So I definitely have a couple places in mind, and it's glad. I'm glad to see that, you know, hopefully here soon I'll be able to cross a couple of them off my bucket list. From what you just now told me, that indicates 
you're going to be dealing with state athletic commissions because those yep. states require licenses. Yep. Um, uh, commissions are always going to be, and they always have been, a bit controversial because uh, some of them are far stricter than others. Some of them are there simply to get the money. They don't care about anything else. Some of them actually follow up and send people to shows and make sure regulations are upheld. There's a lot of variances in it. I don't think you've dealt with any commission that's been overly strict at this point, but when you go to these new places, are you researching what the commissions want from you? Are you researching what the rules of these particular areas are going into it? Or is it going to be just a learning experience as you go? Oh, it's definitely just going to be a learning experience as I go because I am the worst procrastinator of all time. So it'll literally just be like I will do my research the very last second when I absolutely have to. I hope you don't run into any weird rule on the commission books that they expect you to enforce. Although you can always get away with it if you are quick on your feet. Yep. Last time I was in Kentucky, somebody actually bled. I thought I was going to lose my license, but the guy threw the guy in the corner, used the manager's shirt as a towel, hit his cut, sold punching, and they were actually putting pressure on to stop the cut. Commissioner, who was 15 feet away watching it, never even realized. Ooh, that I could tell that would be a scary situation for all parties involved. It is because in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, you actually have two minutes from the time the cut is introduced to be out of the ring and in the locker room. That is a rule on their books. Good to know. See, it's an educational show here. <laughs> Now, you have worked with a pretty wide range of talents. You've worked with everyone from guys that have been around for 25-plus years to brand-new rookies to great big giant guys to small cruiserweights to guys that do the lucha style of wrestling. What would you say has been the hardest style of wrestling for you to be able to officiate in the ring? Uh, definitely the Lucha Libre style because, again, it is so fast-paced and it's a whole lot of arm drags, so people are rolling across the ring at all times and I'm constantly jumping over people and I am a fat, unathletic teenager jumping over people and dodging out of the way very quickly is not my strong suit. <laughs> I was the official... NWWA Lucha Libre official in Oregon for a while. The next time we cross paths, I'll show you some tricks. We'll work on that a little bit. Sounds good to me. Now, in a similar vein to that, what would you say has been your very favorite style of pro wrestling to officiate? 
Probably just like a, ba- a match that takes two technical wrestlers together because, again, it's very slow-paced. I, I don't have to do much. They tell a great story. The crowd's still into it. And at the end of the day, you know, we all go home, and there's minimal chance of, you know, e- any of the three of us in that ring getting hurt. So that that makes the match great, in my opinion. You never say never on the injuries because – Oh yeah, the it's last definitely possible. someone it's said just, out of the curtain before I broke my face was, "Boys, this is the safest show we'll ever do." It, it was the, not. The chance is definitely there, but it's significantly lower than you know the flippy boy stuff. That's true, but I think you'll find as you go along, it's usually the smallest things and the least expected things that cause the biggest injuries. That's been the experience I and a lot of people that have been on this show have expressed. So we'll see if that continues with you. But always be on the lookout on the small things. They always Always. I Like you were telling Coach, you're expected to make an in-ring debut as far as wrestling-wise very soon. When you go into the ring as a wrestler, obviously you're second generation, and there's been a lot of second generation and even third generation wrestlers in your area. But do you feel that you have to live up to what your dad has done previously as far as a wrestler, or are you hoping that you can go out there as you and – the expectations would be no different than if somebody that had no ties to the wrestling business were making their debut. As much as I wish it would be like what you just said of, you know, having the same expectations as everyone else, I know the world we live in, everyone is going to see me perform and immediately say, you know, put draw the connections of he should be better because he's second generation or he should be better because he's DC's kid. You know, unfortunately, with the world we live in, I'm gonna. It's gonna be compared to a lot. As long as you don't do the exact same thing that I saw the very first time I saw your father wrestle, you'll be fine. Because I don't want to see your ear ripped off. Oh, yeah, don't do that. That scared me a little bit when that happened to your dad. I don't think I've heard that story, and I don't think I want to. Um, probably not. It was a little bit gruesome, and then we're just sat there with, like, blood gushing out, just having a normal, everyday conversation like it was nothing. Yeah, I don't know that you want to hear that story in its graphic detail. Yeah, no, I'm good. I didn't want to live it. I'll pass. <laughs> I'm going into... The wrestling aspect of it, I know you've been working hard. You've been trying to master new moves, learning new holes, and so forth. What about the in-ring aspect of it, as far as wrestling goes, has been the hardest for you to grasp? Okay, in-ring stuff that is hard to grasp for me. Well, it's not hard to grasp. It's just hard to do because, you know, it's opposite to what the brand thinks is taking as few steps as possible 
because when we're in that ring, we try to make everything look as deliberate and meaningful as possible. And if we're walking around in there with happy feet, then we look like we don't know what we're doing. And so trying to, you know, remove unnecessary steps has definitely been a challenging part for me. I think that's a very, very common one for sure. Now, one of the things that your dad has been able to do in the business is he has helped have a hand in either being a promoter for or helping in the training of or being a common opponent for someone that was starting in the business that went on to much larger platforms as far as like national TV recognition, people like Jason Ayers at WWE, Ruby Soho, um, so many people that, like Braden Lee, a good example, people that passed through your dad's company or people that your dad had worked with or helped train that made it really big. What's it look like when you see these people get to that national level and they're working at the biggest platforms and you know that your dad had a big hand in helping make them able to get there? It definitely, you know, reminds me that I'm in good hands with being trained by my dad because while people like uh, Jason Ayers and Ruby Soho were not trained by my dad, he he definitely did, you know, do a little bit of helping when it comes to them. And, of course, you got Brayden, who was on AEW Dark not too long ago. And, you know, he's just doing great things all the, all the time. It definitely reminds me that, you know, I'm in good hands. I'm with probably the best trainer in the area. I'm going to be okay. I believe that is 100% accurate. Now, you have been going to shows, of course, for many, many years, way before you ever started training. And in wrestling, of course, people come and go. That's just the nature of the business. Who would be out there that you used to watch before getting into wrestling that is not currently active because we don't use the R word because there is no such thing in wrestling. There is no such thing, is it? currently active that you wish you could get in there and work with and they let you have one more run with them? Um, Honestly, there's no one as of now because fortunately for me, the people who I grew up watching, most of the ones that I want to, wanted to work with back then are still active to this day. And while they don't have too much left in the tank, I know that I'll be ready in time to work them once or twice. So that, you know, makes me feel a whole lot better knowing that I, I'm not going to stress about, you know, not being able to work so-and-so because, you know, they're temporarily done or whatever. I, I'm in a very lucky situation. That is extremely lucky, and that is a very fortunate thing for you. Now, you're also in a unique position because you have garnered multiple skill sets in wrestling, and I always try to stress to people that are training or just getting started to learn everything that they can on every aspect because that makes you more valuable 
as an overall performer. It makes you more valuable to all the promoters if you can do any role that they would need, be it referee, wrestler, manager, commentator, ring announcer, the production end of things. The more you know about everything, the more work you're going to get. Have you been studying or being trained in other aspects along with what you've been doing as a referee and as a wrestler? Um, Not necessarily being trained, but always coming prepared. Like, um, I always come to a show with generic tights and a mask just in case, you know, someone no-shows and now we need a bump dummy. I always show up with something nice to wear just in case the ring announcer can't make it. And I know I can do that at least passably. Uh, I've, you know, uh, taught myself how to run lighting for a merge wrestling because one time their light guy couldn't show up, so I had to run lights for them one show. It's just always trying to make sure you can do not even, like, the big things. Make sure you know how to do, like, the little things because those little things add up. And if one person can't come to do those little things, that's going to be the brick that makes the fucking the tower fall. Absolutely. I mean, it's always good to try to learn in training all of the skill sets. As your dad is always saying, learn how to bump and how to work, whether it be tights, stripes, or mic. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about you getting out into other areas of this country. Do you have an interest of ever going international and going to foreign countries to apply your trade? Um, it, it would definitely be cool. It's not uh, necessarily like a goal of mine to, you know, go to Europe or like go to Japan, but like if it happens, it would be super cool, but I'm not going to, you know, live my whole life, you know, hoping and hoping that it's going to happen. It's just one of those, if it happens, I'll be forever grateful, but I'm not going to stress it. That sounds very reasonable. Well, Coach Mike Jones, do you have any other questions you want to ask J.B. Stewart today? Yeah. um, Who besides your dad was uh, some of your favorite wrestlers growing up and up until now? Um, Poison Apollo Star and Too Cool T.J. Kemp were them along with my dad were the three people in my childhood that really made me love professional wrestling. Nice. What about on the major league level? Um, um, What's funny is I never watched major wrestling until about 2015 or so because wrestling just didn't exist in my house besides going to New Era and Hoosier Pro. So up until I was already a teenager, I didn't know really about mainstream wrestling. Okay. And then how about some of the referees that you've admired? Uh, referees that have definitely inspired me. Um, again, a lot of like the local ones. Again, Toby Lee, like uh, me and Sign Guy were talking about earlier. Uh, Toby Lee was just a super good guy who is definitely just wants to help young referees. Uh, Joshua Gatton uh, currently doesn't ref anymore, but was so good and was a crucial part of making J.B. Stewart who he is today. And those two definitely formed me. Uh, Donnie Tsunami 
is another one, a former wrestler who occasionally will now referee shows, and he's just fantastic and one of the kindest people I've ever worked with. So those three refs are definitely within my top three. Nice. All right. Well, I want to continue to wish you luck and uh, all the success in the world. We appreciate having you on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Coach. Well, like we said, you, of course, being a second-generation competitor in your area uh, puts you in a list of a lot of guys that have become second- and third-generation in the Midwest. It seems that there are more in your area than there are other places do you have any theories as to why we see so many second and third generations popping up in the Midwest compared to other parts of the country? Um, I really don't have a reason for it. Like, I, I can't think of one, but it's definitely something I have noticed over the past uh, couple of years is that you do see a lot more second, uh, occasionally third generation stars in this area than you do really anywhere else. Like, off the top of my head, I can name myself, Sean Camp, uh, Kevin Noir of the Black Cube Society, all three second-generation workers just in Indiana. And I couldn't tell you one second-generation worker in any other state, really. So it's really weird that this area is so full of them, while everywhere else, not so much. If you go even a generation back uh, you had guys like Bobo Brazil Jr., Dick the Bruiser Jr., uh, Dick the Bruiser's actual son. So there's a history of second generation wrestlers in the Midwest for whatever reason it seems to be. Uh, You mentioned Drew Skills and Poison Apollo Star and I hope this question don't be sucking, but looking at the team that they had for so long, they were often regarded as the top tag team in the state of Indiana and usually all in the Midwest. Looking at the landscape as it sits right now from what you have seen, who would you say might be the best tag team right now okay best tag team uh, right now on the independence that I've seen is a tie between uh, the team of shooters don't die uh, specifically the pairing of don't die miles and Freddie Hudson they are fantastic and then the pairing of um, black cube society Angelo Gallardo and Kevin Noir those two teams are bar none the best teams in the area the chemistry those teams have with each other is just phenomenal and in the case with Black Cube Society, their character work is second to none. And with shooters, their their ability to connect to the fans and get the hope that they need is incredible. I'm really hoping someone out there books a Shooters Don't Die versus a Soul Shooters, where the Shooters Don't Die try to get the Soul Shooters to die. Someone needs to book that. I need that booked ASAP. Promoters out there, somebody get it done. It's got to happen. 
Well, now you got to convince, you know, Drew to come out of his, you know, 15th R-word. Oh, he'll be back. You got to convince him to come out of his 17th at this point. Well, yeah, he'll be back. Give him a few more weeks. Give give him a week or two. Yeah, yeah. um, It's been, what, like a month? He'll be back. I remember. Like I, I rest one of his matches and like he gave this big like going away speech after it and then, like two weeks later I see him on a flyer. <laughs> I once had a guy retire right before my match deflated the whole room. Yeah. It was really hard to get the crowd back once I got in the ring. He was back the next week. <laughs> Of course. Next time I was there, I, I said to him, would you do me a huge favor? He said, what is it? I said, don't do the R word before my match again. Well, he, he didn't that time, but I think the next week he did. Now, another aspect of pro wrestling that you don't see it as much today it's sort of a dying breed, but on the independent level, we still have a decent amount of managers. Managing has traditionally been something that is very useful uh, for wrestlers because they have that mouthpiece to give someone else opportunity to do things in a match to help tell the story and so forth. Who would you say might be some of the better managers that you've come across so far? Uh, best manager is definitely going to have to go to um, Hollywood House, the director. I've only worked with him a couple of times, but he is absolutely amazing at what he does. I have never seen a manager get heat so quickly with a crowd. Um, another great one that comes to mind is more of a blanket chip the third. Been around forever, and he's just so good. Agreed. One of the other roles in wrestling that is not as common and in our particular area here in the Northwest, I don't know of really any currently active, but that is the role of the valet. They're similar to a manager, but it is usually going to be a female leading a man, or sometimes you'll see the occasional male valet. They usually aren't as physically involved in things. They usually don't speak very much, but they would kind of lend a air of mystery where they would help enhance somebody's gimmick. Do you see any valets out there on shows you're doing? I have actually, I don't think I've worked a show with a valet, I could be mistaken, but valets are not something you come across super often anymore at all. Now, why that is, I'm not really sure, but it seems to be kind of a lost art in wrestling. Now, I found just in my own career, oftentimes I will have really, really good chemistry with a particular manager or a particular referee or what have you to where we don't really need to even speak. We can just go to the ring, 
and instinctively know what each other is going to do and just be able to react to what they do. At this point in your career, do you have anyone where you have that same type of chemistry where you can just go out and just work off of each other and nothing has to be said? Um, that would have to be uh, Sam Knight. Uh, we worked with uh, we've worked with each other a couple times, but this past Friday again at a Hyper Championship Wrestling, didn't say anything. Went into the ring. He said, "Follow us, follow our lead," and that was it. it that match was absolutely amazing. Him and Kevin Giza had one of the best matches that night, and we didn't say a darn word. That is the art form when it's done correctly. Well, we are down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to give you ample time. If there is anything that you would like to say to the listeners today, plug and promote anything and everything, upcoming shows, your social media, your favorite bakery, whatever it is you would like, floor is all yours. All right. Uh, I'm going to plug some shows that I'm going to be at uh, this coming Saturday, uh, Shelbyville, Indiana, at the J. Kenneth Self. Boys and Girls Club, I will be at New Era Wrestling for their annual Giving Back show where all proceeds go to said Boys and Girls Club. Um, Another big show that I'm going to be involved in is on December the 11th for Wrestling Theology Fellowship presents Blizzard Brawl. Got a couple great matches, including the 30-man Blizzard Brawl Rumble-style match, which we just found out yesterday will include Impact star Ace Austin. Um, You can find me on social media's uh, Instagram at jbstewart underscore ref, Facebook at jbstewart. Um, I also do graphic design work on the side. You can find that on Facebook at jbgraphics. I know there's like a thousand of them, but you hopefully will find the one. Uh, that's about all I got to promote. Thank you so much for giving me the time to do that. Absolutely. It was uh pleasure having you on the show today i know we waited a while to get you on here but i'm glad you're here now hopefully we'll get the chance to do it again hopefully you don't implement your dad's rule of only doing one interview every 10 years (laughs) Uh, let's hope not i hope not yep his 10 years is almost up by the way he owes me an interview in like three months Well, Coach Mike, as we wrap things up, anything you want to say, plug, or promote? Yeah, I want to say uh, it was nice to have a show last week. Uh, crowd was crazy. Lots of NGW shirts out there. Uh, Wild Loud defended his title against El Vient- uh, Samurai Del Viento. Um, Moondog got cheated out of a win from Chuck Payne, and then the biggest pop of the night was when uh, Sunny Days took care of my light work and beat uh, Paul Preston. Um, One of the coolest things ever was after the show was over, none of the crowd left. And me and Sunny walked out there, and Sunny said, what are you guys doing here? You guys need to go. (laughs) So that was pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, don't forget to check out the Real School Army and NGW Green Room. And thanks again for Turnbuckle Turmoil, and uh, we can't wait to have you back, QT. And uh, thanks for everything. Absolutely. Best wishes to QT as he uh, is on a bit of a medical leave. He'll be all right. Hopefully he'll be back very quick. But, uh 
Don't forget, you can find me next week at uh, South Hill, Washington for NGW, and then the next day, NGW back at the Key Peninsula Civic Center, where I appear whenever any wrestling company uses that venue, apparently. So make sure you find me there. We'll be back with you next week. Next Friday afternoon, we'll be back with you with legendary Jeff Van Camp, the original Lord Humongous. And then one week from this very day, we will be joined by E.J. Sparks. So make sure you have plans to be with us. We'll talk to you soon. Be safe and support your local independent wherever it may be. And we'll talk to you next week. Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.